Good morning, Seabreeze. My name is Elliot. I'm the Connection Pastor here, and I'm glad that you joined us today. Today we are uh, making our way through 1 Peter. We've been doing this for the last few weeks. It's a book in the New Testament. It's a letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to a group of new Christians um, who are in what is now modern-day Turkey, and he's explaining to them how their relationship with Jesus, their faith in Jesus, is making them new and the different way that God wants them to live now that they're being made different. And we're going to be looking at a part of chapter 3 that deals with our relationships. Specifically, there's a different way that we relate to others, a way of relating that's not being divisive. Now, there's no question right now that there's a lot of disagreement in our country. You just turn on the news or you go on social media and it seems like the, the items that we can disagree about right now are endless. And some of these are really big, important issues that we need to have conversations about. But it's not just that we disagree. Often we are divisive in how we interact with and relate to and talk with one another. Instead of coming from a place of understanding and respect, we can be thoughtless and dismissive of people that don't hold the same ideas and views that we do. And it's not just experienced on a kind of a larger societal level. We even do this in our homes. We do this with the people that we love. We get into disagreements, and then we divide, and then we separate. Even sometimes we do this over stuff that's pretty small, stuff that we look back on and we realize it was pretty insignificant in hindsight. I mean, parents will, parents and children will become at odds with each other, Siblings stop speaking to each other. Husbands and wives separate and get divorced. And you see this pattern. It's not a new pattern. You see, if you kind of track human history, you realize that this kind of normal way of interacting with one another and this often divisive behavior that we have, this goes all the way back to the very beginning. This is something that we as humans, we've always been doing. The, the natural pattern seems to be we get into conflict, we disagree, and then we divide. But when we decide to follow Jesus, and he restores our relationship with the Father, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and to help us, he is making us new on the inside, and he calls us to a very different way of life. This is what it says in 1 Peter 3, verse 8. It says this. It says, finally, Peter's writing, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and humble. Now, each of the items in this verse, these are internal first, and then they produce an external behavior. And that's because change on the inside translates into change on the outside. So if how we, how we think about, how we view, how we focus on the other person, if that changes on the inside, then that's going to translate into behavior on the outside. That's what the result is going to be. That's what Peter's pointing at here. So we're going to take a few minutes. We're going to kind of go through this list in verse 8, and we're going to take a look at what is, what's this different approach to relating with other people that we're supposed to choose. So the first word on the list, we're going to call this our different posture. The first word on the list is to be like-minded. The Greek word means same mind or same understanding. The idea is be on the same page with the other person. Because there's a lot of conflict that's the result of not understanding each other. You know, I think I, we're on different pages. I think you're saying this, you think I'm saying that. But at the same time that I think you're saying this and you think I'm saying that, we can often assume that we still understand each other even though we are nowhere close to being on the same page. 
And this assumption of, oh, well, you know exactly what I mean, right? Or the assumption of, I know exactly what you meant by that. That assumption, that can cause a lot of problems. So he says, be like-minded. Get on the same page. Have the same understanding. To be on the same page, you have to ask questions and you have to listen. So if we're going to have the same understanding, if we're going to be like-minded with other people, we've got to pause and slow down and take the time to ask questions and listen to them. So he starts and he says, be like-minded. The next thing on the list, he says, be sympathetic. The idea is put yourself in their shoes. See the situation from their perspective. Recently, our family was at the beach and I was coming out of the water and I was carrying my surfboard and my three-year-old son, Cohen, came running up to me. When he, he ran up to me, he said, Dad, I want to go surf too. So I was like, oh, awesome. So I, you know, I picked him up and carried him out into the water and we were about, you know, it was about waist deep on me and the waves were pretty gentle that day. They were just kind of rolling through. And so there was a little bit of a lull. So I laid my board down and I said, okay, Cohen, I'm going to lay you on the board. So I went to lay him down on the board, and when I did, I went to lay him on his stomach, this, this look of panic went across his face, and he started swinging his body, and he grabbed my shoulder, and he would not let me lay him on his stomach. And as I was trying to get him to lay on his stomach, I realized I did not consider this situation at all from the perspective of a three-year-old who's never surfed. I mean, he, he doesn't know he's supposed to lay on his stomach. I mean, what he knows is when he's in water that's deeper than he can touch, he's got to be on his back if he's going to be able to breathe. I mean, for all he knows, his dad has just carried him out into deep water that he can't touch in, and now I'm trying to set him down face first. He thinks I'm getting ready to dunk him. It, actually, the look on his face, it broke my heart because I realized I was not sympathetic. I did not view this from his perspective. I didn't think about, okay, he's three. He's never done this. He has no idea what it's like. What do I need to explain to him? So Peter says we need to be sympathetic. We need to look at the situation from the perspective of the other person. And if, if, you, if you're thinking about this list, you start with being like-minded, and then you go to be sympathetic, you realize that these actually fit together. You start by asking questions, trying to understand, listening, and then it goes to, okay, now we, now we see it from their perspective. We put ourselves in their shoes. And that leads to the next thing on the list, which is this. It says, love one another. Now, the Greek word used here for love one another is the word philadelphos. You probably recognize it. There's the city, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That, that city name is from this Greek word. And the Greek word means brotherly love. Now, I have an older brother, and we haven't always gotten along. Through the years, we've had disagreements. We've had plenty of fights when we were growing up. Even today, we can still disagree. We can still get on each other's nerves. But there's something that I know about my brother. I know that my brother has my back. I know that my brother is in my corner at the end of the day. And so when, when Peter writes this and he says, love one another, what, he, what he's saying is your posture towards other people needs to be, I'm in your corner. I'm not out to get you. I'm not trying to, to beat you. I'm not trying to compete with you. I'm in your corner. I support you. It's amazing what we can talk about with other people, what we can work through, when they know that below this disagreement that we have, they know that we're in their corner. We support them. So Peter says, love one another. Next thing he says on the list is be compassionate. The idea of be compassionate is to feel how they do. 
share in their feelings. It's different than sympathy. Sympathy is, the Greek word for sympathy used here is putting yourself in their shoes. This is actually saying participate in their feelings. That's the idea of being compassionate. Recently, I heard about something going on in a friend's life, and when I first heard about it, my first response was, well, that's not a big deal. And so I just kind of ignored it and brushed it aside, but then I heard a little bit more about it, and I kind of paused, and I started to think about some of the things that my friend had been saying, and I started to think about my friend and what was important to them and what they value and what they've given themselves to in life. And I realized this is actually a really big deal. And I started to, I started to kind of, instead of just my first reaction of this isn't a big deal, let's just move on, I started to feel how my friend was feeling. And because I was feeling how they were feeling, suddenly it went from, no, no big deal, let's just move on to, this is a really big deal. This is really important. So he says, be compassionate. Ask yourself the question, can I relate to how they feel about this? I might not have felt the exact same thing, but can I, can I relate to how they're feeling about this? The final thing on the list after be compassionate is he says, humble, be humble. Be compassionate and be humble. Humility in our relationships is so important. A humble person, they know they don't have all the answers. A humble person knows they don't have it all figured out and they're, they don't have the grand solution that's gonna fix everything. A humble person takes the time to think of the other individual instead of just thinking about themselves. A humble person will even admit that they were wrong and ask for forgiveness when they wrong others. Humility is so important in our relationships. So Peter says, this is the posture. You're to be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. The idea is now that God is making us new on the inside, we're to do the work of choosing this, this different posture with how we relate to others. Now, the logical next question, once you choose this posture, the logical next question is, what if they don't treat me the same way in response? This is what my kids always say. I say to one of the kids, okay, you've got to share that toy with your brother. Or you've got to share that toy with your sister. And what's the next thing they're going to say? Well, what if they don't share it with me? And, you know, this is what we do as adults. We hear something like we just read in verse 8. Okay, this is how we're supposed to relate and treat other people. But what if we do everything we're told to do in verse 8, and they don't respond by treating us the same way? Well, Peter answers that question. He writes this at the beginning of verse 9. He says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. What he's pointing out is he's pointing out our normal way of treating people. Our normal way of treating people is to treat them how they treat us. So he says, don't repay evil for evil or insult with insult. Usually kind of how we think about it is, okay, yeah, God's given me instruction, and I know that this is how he wants me to interact and relate to other people, but I've got a limit. And the limit is, as soon as they mistreat me, I don't have to do what God has to say anymore. Now I can respond, and I can treat them the same way as they treat me. And maybe if we don't, you know, go direct with our repayment of doing wrong to them, well, maybe we can at least badmouth them, right? I mean, maybe we can, we can go and tell other people how terrible they are and how mean of a person they are and how nobody should interact with or relate to them. Surely we can do that, right? Well, no. Peter is saying, he's saying, don't do that. Now that you're different, be different. Actually be different and choose a different response when you're wronged. Respond differently. 
That's the point that he's making. So we've got to ask the question, so if we can't respond by treating them the way they treat us, then what would an appropriate response be? Do we just ignore it and act like it didn't happen? Well, no. Peter says that this is the different response. The different response when wronged is instead of repaying evil for evil or insult with insult, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Now, when he says blessing here, the idea is to do something good for the other person, something that will benefit them. Now, when I read this and I think about it, this is not what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, okay, so I'm supposed to treat them this certain way, and even if they don't respond and treat me that way in return, even if they do something wrong and they mistreat me, now I've got to do something good for them? What, this doesn't make any sense. How does this add up? It turns out this, you know, this isn't the only place the Bible instructs us to do this. Jesus actually says the same thing that Peter says. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. This is such a shocking instruction. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that, they may, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He says, love your, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's just another way of saying, treat other people the way they treat you. And Jesus says, same thing Peter says, don't do that. There's a new way. There's a different way. Respond to being wronged differently. And it turns out that how we respond to being wronged, when you kind of add this up and consider what God has to say, this is really important to God. How we respond when we're wronged, this different approach This is really, really important to God. Now I want to take a minute and I I want to clarify what this is not saying because sometimes this can be misunderstood. This is not saying that crime should not be punished. In chapter 2, there was a verse that we looked at just a few weeks ago. Chapter 2, verse 14. It It says to governors who are sent by him, sent by God, to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. The government has the responsibility to punish those who do wrong. So there are wrongs, they need to be reported. So it doesn't say that crime is to go unpunished. There are times that legal action is to be taken. Another thing that this is not saying is this is not saying that we respond to evil by doing whatever evil demands. It says repay with a blessing. It doesn't say repay by giving in to the evil. The idea is you do something in response that leaves the other person scratching their head. I recently was reading a book, and in it is just such a great example of what Peter is talking about here. The book was um, The Hiding Place by Corrie ten Boom. She was a Christian in Holland during World War II, and she helped hide Jews from the Nazis. Eventually she's caught, she's taken to Germany, and she's put in a concentration camp. And so she recounts her story in this book. And the evil that she witnessed and experienced is just gut-wrenching. I mean, you read through the story, and there were times where, where I, I teared up just because I was thinking about what she went through and what she saw other people go through. But I think the most challenging part of the story was her attitude towards the Germans. I mean, she was very, she was very honest, and I really appreciated her honesty. She talked about the struggle with this issue of How do you love and respond to a blessing to these people that are inflicting this great evil? 
And, and she wrestles with this, and I really appreciate how she talks about it. She, she never claims that it was easy. She says that it was, it was the hardest thing she ever did. And for me, reading stories like this of Corrie ten Boom, it's really helpful because it gives me an example of what Peter's talking about. When he says, don't repay evil with evil, he says, repay it with a blessing. When he says that, it gives me an idea of what he's talking about, and then it really gives me perspective for what I'm going through. I've never experienced anything close to what she describes in the book, but it really helps me out for just the normal, everyday wrong that we all experience in this life. It's an incredibly helpful story. So we start by choosing a different posture, then we have a different response when wronged, and now I want to point out a different outcome. It's very interesting what Peter says next in the passage. He says this in verse 15. He says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. He starts and he says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. The idea is, Decide that what Christ tells you to do is what you're going to do, and as you do it, trust him to help you. That's the idea of, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, and because he told me to do it, as I do it, I'm going to ask him to help me, and I'm going to rely on him to help me. So he says, start there, and then he says, okay, now you got to get ready to share your faith. Just like he says, he says, always prepared to give an answer. The idea is, is, People are going to see and experience a difference in how you treat them and how you react to being wronged, and it's going to create a question. The question is, what's different? So then when the question's asked, he says, you're going to give an answer for why your hope is different. You need to be ready to do this. You need to be ready to say, you know, I'm doing this because Jesus forgave me of my sins. He promised that I would spend eternity with him. He's transforming my life, and so as I follow him, I want to take him seriously, and I want to love people the way that he said to. I want to value them the way that he's instructed me to. That's why I'm doing this. And then this is so fascinating to me. He says, get ready to give an answer. You're going to have an opportunity to share your faith. Get ready to explain about your hope. And then he writes this. He says at the end of this passage, he says, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. This isn't saying so that they'll look bad. The idea is they will have a change of heart. The idea is that as you trust Jesus and you rely on him and you put into practice how he tells you to live, even people who wrong you and badmouth you, over time will see the difference and they too will have an opportunity to experience a changed heart. This is amazing. This is so different than the results of our normal approach. I mean, our normal approach of being divisive and just spouting off our opinion and being thoughtless when we interact with other people and being dismissive and and separating ourselves from people that don't agree with you, all that does is that drives the wedge deeper. But Peter's saying, hey, there's this, there's a different approach that God wants you to take. There's a different posture. There's a different response to being wronged. And the outcome is completely different than what it was before. The outcome is potentially people over time will see you doing the right thing and they'll say, you know what? They're different. I want to know why they're different and I want the same kind of different 
that they are. So we choose the right posture. We choose a different response when wronged. We beg God for help because this is not easy. And then over time, as we keep this up and keep doing the right thing, we're ready to answer the questions when people say, what's different? And then people want to experience the same change that we're experiencing. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for the hope that's embedded in these instructions. I thank you for the fact that it's not just, here, let me tell you what to do, but it's, here's how I want you to live. It's already been modeled for us by Jesus. We're given help every step of the way, and then the outcome has amazing potential to change lives, and we get to be a part of that as we're following you. I thank you for that. So I pray, God, that we would take the right posture. We would choose to respond differently to being wronged. And I pray that over time, we would see more and more people experience changed hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.